please be seated. This evening I want to turn our attention to that beautiful story Christopher just read and look at the power of healing that happens between Jesus and this woman from Samaria. But first I want to just say a word about tears. Sort of of all nights of the year, of all services of the year, it seems that tonight might be a night to just say a word about tears. Tears are gifts. And sometimes we don't think about them as a gift until we imagine what it would be like if God had not made us with the ability to cry and have tears. We are meant neither to hold our tears back nor to make too much of them. There's simply this amazing apparatus that God has given to us to express feelings that run deeper than words. Tears of joy, tears of sorrow, tears of pain. Some of us cry easily and frequently, while others can hardly remember the last time they cried. Tears are evoked by sights we see, by beauty, by the emotions of others, by music, by pain, loss, by tragedy. And those of us who are often in this position in church can tell you that people cry regularly in church. I remember looking out at a congregation and talking with a woman afterwards who said, not at a blue service, not at a blue Advent service, but at a regular service in this holiday season. And she said, why am I always so unhappy during the holidays and everyone else? is so happy. This is when we miss those we love and see no longer. This is when the pain of a family divided or a heart broken is heightened. And Advent offers the consolation of God's love and understanding to the blues of this season. So, Let's try not to force upon tears the tyranny of understanding. We can let them be. They are somehow, in God's magnificent design, making sense of our life in ways that our mind cannot. Tears are a gift from God. And now to the story of the woman of Samaria who meets Jesus at the well in the noonday heat when she's come to draw water. It's found only in John's Gospel, a Gospel that over and over in the stories John tells, believes in the power of friendship and conversation to heal us. Meeting a stranger unexpectedly in the middle of an ordinary day while going about routine chores who listens to our story. I don't think it was just her need for water or Jesus' need for rest that brought them together. Jesus is drawn to this quick-minded, bright woman 
with an honest and forthright personality, and we are told, tired from the long walk, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime, that he had to go through Samaria, enemy territory, this region between Galilee, the lovely lake region in the north of Jerusalem where Jesus comes from, the country of highlands and open places, rolling hills and wide skies. And between there and the long walk to Jerusalem is this unfamiliar, uncongenial region of Samaria where Jews did not share a temple or scriptures or familiar history with the people there. So Jesus stops and makes a friend in unfriendly territory. The scandal of talking to a woman in public, the scandal of a Jewish man speaking with a Samaritan woman. You are a Jew, she says, and I'm a Samaritan woman, and you ask me for a drink? She knew that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, and she knew men did not speak to women. And he wasn't asking for directions so he could quickly pass by. He asked for a drink, and he had sat down. Water is fetched early in the day or late in the day. Never at noon when the heat is the most oppressive. And so she's come alone to avoid people. And we begin to notice that as they sit there in the noonday heat, their conversation has this humorous interplay of practical questions and spiritual answers. You, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? Why? And he quickly clips back, if you only knew who was speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then confused, she comes back and says, if you've got such great water, where is your rope and bucket? No rope and bucket? Don't promise me water? This well is deep. How are you going to draw that water, she asks him. And Jesus sees straight to the heart of this woman and the heart of her story. The heart of a story so filled with loss. We never know this woman's story. We have no idea what the fact that we learn later that she's had five husbands and the one she's now with isn't her husband. We don't know if she was passionately loved by a husband and it was tremendous loss. We don't know if she had to marry that uh, divorce, if she was divorced and had to remarry. We don't know the stories, but we do know that that many relationships in a person's life represents loss. in one way or another, suffering and loneliness and misunderstanding have come her way. And the water that Jesus offers her is endless. It's infinite. It's eternal. It won't run dry. A fountain welling up to eternal life, our psalm says. And she says, please, sir, give me this water. This woman who has carried water her whole life for how many households and how many children and how many husbands. And then she adds that wonderful, practical afterthought, how can she not? Then 
I will never be thirsty again and will not have to come here day after day to draw water. Flouting convention, Jesus does not see this woman's gender, her foreignness, the endless losses of her marital history. He sees a woman by a well of intrinsic dignity and infinite worth. And he dispenses with the social customs of the day, risks ostracism and condemnation to drink water with this woman, to give her water that lasts. Unlike human love of any kind, unlike water in a bucket, the living water of personal connection with one who cares and whose love never dies, no matter how many losses we face. And there they stand, drinking and talking in the noonday heat. And this is, after all, a love story. Your love story, my love story, the love story of a God who knows all we have ever done, all we have ever lost, and wants us to sit down next to him and drink a glass of water and give us the company that will not die in the losses that we all bear this season.